What is up? We are back on this Tuesday, last day of August 31st. It is episode 70 of Football Life Presents the Audible. I am your host, Randy Hammond, alongside my trusty co-host. We are back, Matt Bushnell. Last day of the month. That means football. Do you smell it in the air, my friend? It is almost time. We are less than nine days away from our first action. Dallas versus Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So that is going to be a very intriguing matchup, Randy. And I'm not sure about you, but I have a cardinal rule in life. And it Mm -hmm. kind of ties into this show. Cardinal rule is never do your fantasy football draft before the preseason ends. Always wait for the preseason to end before you do your fantasy football drafts, ladies and gentlemen. You and I get along for many reasons, and that is a thought we share for sure. Uh, I did a fantasy draft on Saturday, and it felt dirty knowing there were still games going on. Luckily, I came away pretty unscathed so far, So, but some other people did not, those who drafted J.K. Dobbins and some others. Um, all right, number 70, Bushnell, before we get into our show today, um, you have any notable hog mollies, maybe some left tackles that were number 70? Absolutely, for the Bears, Herman Lee. Um, really, you know, kind of sad for the Bears to have a guy way back then to be one of their best left tackles. But, you know, Herman Lee, go Bears. <laughs> I love it. And then I, I got two guys uh, recent, Zach Martin, guy, uh, you know, the Giants passed on to take Odell Beckham Jr. in the 2014 draft. Um, and then Logan Mankins, uh, also uh, the Patriots. And I think I have another one. Let me just double check that they wore number 70. No, I don't have another one. Never mind. Uh, all right. So uh, this is our special fantasy episode. So if you guys have any fantasy questions, if you um, have any draft related questions, I mean, you're not doing starting questions yet. That, that's not until next week, obviously. But this is a big draft week. I think everyone crams their drafts in between now uh, and kickoff next week. So um, we're going to lay it out for you. We're going to do our favorites at each position group besides kicker and defenses, because, you know, who cares? Uh, Kickers aren't people. <laughs> kickers uh, abolish kickers uh we're gonna do some of our favorite sleepers um and you know we're just gonna have some fun talking some fantasy with you guys i love fantasy i'm in six leagues i'm in psychopath i just love it i'm a big football nerd and i'm just totally into it so this is gonna be a fun episode for me but before we get into all that fun matt today's a big news day in the nfl i don't know if you realized it but it is cut down day uh, each team after the last preseason day, uh, game they have to get down to 53 man rosters this is always a complicated process this is always difficult decisions are made uh and the big one coming out this morning a name that none of us saw coming cam newton the projected qb1 for the new england patriots is out and mac jones has been proclaimed the starter matt let's get your reaction i mean to to me you're starting to hear a lot of rumblings about what's going on underneath the surface with uh newton and mac jones i thought overall newton didn't play bad i thought he did enough to win the starting job being experienced quarterback and new england was kind of that weird team but Everyone thought, well, I don't want to say everyone, but the majority of people out there, the experts, so to speak, said that Mac Jones was the most ready to start this season. So I I took a look at that, Randy, and I I did watch the Giants game. And and the one thing that bothered me a lot with that Giants tape was that Mac Jones took a long time to process the information for a very vanilla kind of scheme. So I don't know how that's going to translate when they play the regular season games. To me, that's a little worrisome. Cam kind of gives you that steady hand. But the one thing that we heard that started bubbling was that Bill Belichick understood COVID last season. Not a lot you can do about it. You know, he he understood the situation, but he was pretty pissed 
when Cam had to sit out five days because he didn't know the COVID situation and he refused to get a COVID vaccine. Mm -hmm. So initially they're, they're thinking like, okay, well, if Cam is going to refuse to do this and he's going to keep on doing stuff like this and putting himself at possible risk, and we have to continually worry about this, how could it interrupt our season? And Belichick just didn't want to have any interruptions. And that's, that's a staple of Belichick. His main thing is least amount of distractions and availability. And Cam didn't give him that, that ability. Yeah. Consistency is, is a, a, in the name of the game for Bill Belichick and Cam was unable to provide that in this pandemic world we live in right now. So um, no one is uh, you know telling you, unfortunately, that you have to do anything. You, you should do something. Uh, and I would tell you that you should probably get the shot. Um, and the NFL has made it clear your life will be easier if you are vaccinated. They have made that abundantly clear to this point. So Cam Newton not following those those protocols and the testing rules, like you can avoid all of that by getting, you know, a one and done shot for all I care. Get the J&J, that's what I did. You know, <laughs> it's just easier to go about your life that way. But nonetheless, um, Cam Newton out of a job now. And before I get into Mac, um, and you broke down Mac nicely. I, I just think that he was very pro ready. We talked about that last week. And I think he fits all of the, the Patriots, you know, very well. I, obviously, I think he still has going to have growing pains. And I think this is just getting rid of the inevitable. Obviously, if Cam Newton starts the year, it's only a matter of time before Mac starts. So um, I'm all I'm a fan of getting the rookie as much, as much reps as possible. Um, I'm all in on that. I like that. Now, for Cam Newton, um, I think, you know, for the most part, he's shown the ability that he can still play in the NFL. Um, you know, I thought he was going to start for the Patriots. I thought he was a stopgap, but I still thought he could start for the Patriots. I look around the league, and there could be starting opportunities. I look at Houston, but I don't know if he wants to waste away his career down there. If he wants a situation where maybe he can win, maybe get a ring at the end of his career, I'm thinking a backup role is the best thing for him right now. And I look at offenses that already are similar to his style. I look at Baltimore with Lamar Jackson. I don't know if they want two anti-vax quarterbacks in one quarterback room. I don't know. But if in the case that Lamar, excuse me, Lamar Jackson gets hurt, Cam can kind of come right in and do a similar job. I'm not saying he's as fast or as electric, but they run a similar offense, and I trust John Harbaugh to make that work. Um, Dallas uh, has a Dak problem, <laughs> a Dak shoulder problem specifically, and I don't trust Dak to stay healthy all year. So I think Dallas could also be a good fit for Cam Newton. When you look around the league here, Matt, where do you see Cam landing now? This is tough because I I don't doubt that those two places make a lot of sense. Um to me, the issue with Cam is if you're not going to get vaccinated, which is fine, you know, I'm all pro-choice when it comes to this, you know, that, that's a decision I believe everyone has to make. But with that, much like a free market economy, everyone has the right to not want you because of that. There are so, consequences to your actions, as my dad would always tell me. Yep, absolutely. So, I mean, he, he has every right to make whatever decision he so desires. And to me, I think this is why it's going to be hard for him to get a job. We talked about if, if Lamar gets COVID, all right, or Cam gets COVID, you're going to have two quarterbacks that are, by all intents and purposes, not vaccinated from what we know. So mm -hmm. that's two weeks out. You, you are two weeks out with your starter and your backup. So I just don't see it as a viable situation. Whereas if you have the COVID vaccine, I think it's a three or four day waiting period. You have to yeah, pass two tests. Yep, yep. Yeah, but, you know, you, there's a possibility you're not going to be out that long. So it doesn't hurt your team as bad. Obviously, you want your players to be vaccinated if at all possible. So to me, when I take a look at the situation, and, and this one may sound a little strange, 
But I like Houston for a couple of reasons. I think Deshaun Watson's on his way out of Houston. Um, they had a trade in place from what I read with Philadelphia. So the Eagle fans were obviously, you know, they started a little fire burning there. But Watson said he doesn't want to go to Philly. And the thing that makes Watson's situation unique, you're like, well, he can't dictate it. Well, yes, he can. He has a full no trade clause in his contract. Mm -hmm. He can tell the Texans exactly where to send him. So I think mm -hmm. Watson will end up going to Miami before, you know, the end of this season. I, I just have a feeling before yeah. the end of the trade deadline. So that's kind of my surprise move there. So I think Houston makes the most sense for Cam. Um, Tyrod Taylor, you know, he really, you know, he gave us the gift of Justin Herbert inadvertently with a bad yes. cortisone shot going into his lungs. <laughs> um, so, so, so to me, I, you know, I just go with Houston. I, I think that makes the most sense. If he wants just to start and play football, I agree. There is no better situation for him to play than, than Houston. So yeah. I'm with you there. Um, I think if you're looking at situations to succeed, I, I just don't know if that, that's the best spot. But at the same time, if the rest of the league are going to say, you know, we don't want you not backs to come into our, our locker room here and, and not get a job. All right. Well then maybe Cam has to take a look in the mirror and say, do I still want to do this? All right. Well, let me just suck it up and get this thing. And yeah. I want to still play football. Your, your football career is short. Um, I think it's silly to let it cut, be cut short for something like this. Um, you're one of the you know best athletes in the world and you're in great shape. I don't think, you know, someone who experienced COVID, I think a severe case of it, honestly, with, with Cam, um, this thing would not do nearly the damage that the actual virus would. And, and uh, my thoughts on it in general is, you know, if you can get it, I think you should. So, um, no surprise for me here that I'm telling him that he should get it. But look, uh, your football career is not a long one. Uh, I would try to extend it as long as you could. Set yourself and your family up financially. I, I know football is a dangerous game. Uh, this could be a chance for him to walk away from it. Who knows? I, I don't know what's next for Cam, but I do believe that there is opportunities for him to continue playing if he desires. Um, that's the big news of the day. Can, uh, Mac Jones being named the starter subsequently, essentially at the exact same time. You knew that was going to happen as soon as you saw the news. Um we like the Patriots, I think, coming into this year. We like some of the moves they made, the defense. How does our projections for the Patriots look now with this rookie quarterback? Do you expect some growing pains? Do you expect them to come out a little bit slower now, Matt? Yeah, I do. I, I think this team's going to take some time to get their offensive rhythm. I, I, to me, this is further cements the Bills and the Dolphins as the two top, as the two top teams. I thought um, New England might be able to jump Miami and challenge Buffalo, but with going with Mac Jones – Mm -hmm. In some growing pains, I think it's going to be a tough road to hoe the first couple of months, I would say. But, mm -hmm. you know, at the end, I think they'll finish strong, but it'll be too late. You know, it's kind of a 500 football team now to me. Yeah, unless Mac comes in and, and absolutely lights the world on fire, which, you know, I think he is in a position to succeed. And I think that's very important. But overall, you know, with if Cam was there playing at the best of his ability, I think the offense would be a little bit more dynamic and a little bit harder to prepare for. Um, but we'll see. I think, you know, Matt Jones has a lot to offer. And I think he'll be a really steady quarterback for a long time. Um, we'll talk about the surroundings from Mac Jones a little later in the fantasy segment, because I think it has some impact on those guys too. All right. Some other notable uh, cuts here. I, I have 
have Jimmy Moreland, the corner in Washington. I think he was the protective CB2 for them. It was pretty shocking. Mike Daniels, a defensive tackle for the Bengals for the last nine years. I mean, he was a steady bet for a long time. Uh, and then Travis Fulgham, the wide receiver for the, for the Eagles, um, you know, made a lot of plays last year when a lot of their other receivers did not. So I'm a little bit surprised about that. But if you look around the league, there are so many players being moved around, traded, cut. This is such a weird time in the NFL calendar. Uh, Matt, what are some of the cuts and, uh, and transactions you've seen that sort of surprised you today? I will say the, the rookies getting cut. Like we've seen draft picks getting cut. The Bears had two. I know the Vikings, I believe, had a couple. So that was kind of surprising. Daz Newsom for the Bears specifically really surprised me because I like what he did coming out of college. I thought he'd be a sure-handed kind of like fifth wide receiver. But, mm-hmm. you know, when Rodney Adams showed up and really showed out in preseason games, that put him on the bubble there. Um, really another big one for me was Desmond Trufant for the Bears mm-hmm. uh, getting cut that was supposedly supposed to be like the guy to replace Kyle Fuller. And now the Bears cornerback situation is a lot murkier. I mm-hmm. do not like it. And then you hear teams like the Broncos, who are currently shopping Kyle Fuller, who they just signed this offseason, yeah. and Bryce Callahan, um, both former Bears. So to me, it's just kind of the landscape of, you know, I don't know what we're going to get out of some of these defenses. I, I really like Denver's cornerback room, but now you're telling me you're going to trade Kyle Fuller and you're looking to trade Bryce Callahan. I'm I'm almost positive it's going to be one of the two. They're not going to do both. Right. But – um. Heavy where heavy lies the crown for some of these corners that have proved that they have been steadfast. Kyle Fuller at one point, we I think you and I both kind of thought top five corner in the league. And now yeah. the Bears cut him because of cap reasons. And now the Broncos sign them, but they want to trade him. Yeah, kind of weird. Look, I think a corner is a, is a young man's game. <laughs> I think the older yep. you get, the harder it is to play. So uh, maybe he lost a step and he still has value for another team maybe, but the Broncos, I think, are pretty deep in the secondary. So maybe they're looking to get something for him. Uh, Devontae Freeman, among the other name, another name getting released. Yeah. He's a third string running back on the Saints at this point. I don't think that's really that shocking. Um, you know, Bernardrick McKinney, uh, sort of surprising. He got traded, the linebacker got traded from the Texans to the Dolphins this year. I think, you know, they were expecting some more out of him. Uh, you know, I, I'm looking at the list and, you know, it doesn't get any bigger than Cam, obviously, but there's some yeah. good players that get cut. And I think there's some good kickers that get cut. Um, if you're a smart team, you can kind of maneuver this time frame and make some claims that will help your team. Um, I guess the other things that aren't cuts that are also um, – you know, important transactions is this is the time of year where you get put on the pup list, right? Because this is um, the time where teams need to get down to 53 men. So yep. if you're on the pup list, you can't perform. You're not, you're not taking up a roster spot. So the three most notable names on that list, Matt Bushnell, are Saints receiver Michael Thomas. I think we all kind of expected that. Packers left tackle David Bakhtiari, which surprises me. That's a huge blow for the Packers. Yeah. And then Patri- Patriots corner Stephon Gilmore, the former defensive player of the year. That is a huge blow for the Patriots as well. Um, and a refresher on the pup list. Um, you know, once you're on the pup list, you can, you have to be inactive for six weeks. And then after six weeks, you have to return to practice and eventually to play, or you have to be put on the IR. If you're not put on either of those things after five weeks, you have to be released. So it's a bit of a complicated transaction with there with the pup list, but those are some big names there, right? Yeah. I, I think one that kind of goes under the radar that we didn't really, uh, that I did not expect personally was Tariq Cohn for the bears as well. I know it's kind of bears mm-hmm. angle this year, but um, remember, Tariq Cohn was kind of like a fantasy sleeper last year. Everyone thought yeah. that, 
you know, hey, man, this guy's kind of like uh, Darren Sproles type. He'll get you some, you know, PPR points and stuff like that. But he's also out for six weeks. But to me, the most devastating one out of this entire list is Bakhtiari because the Packers have a pretty rough schedule. I mean, minus, you know, some matchups with the Lions, but they got the Vikings in the division. They got the Bears. So that's Griffin, Mack, um, mm. you know, and then I, I'm not sure when they play San Francisco. That might be a little later in the year. So they might have Bakhtiari back for that. But, man, th- th- there's some big matchups there for the Packers early on. I know they got the Saints week one. So, you know, losing a guy like Bakhtiari for six weeks, protecting Aaron Rodgers is no minor blow for them. Not at all. And he's one of the better offensive linemen in the league. I mean, I think he's considered as a, a top tackle for sure. So yeah. uh, that's going to suck for the Packers at the beginning of the year. Maybe, I mean, these these things aren't just six weeks and it's over with. These things could linger, of course. Yeah. Um, Washington football team also releasing Peyton Barber. I think he was expected to be the third down pass catching back, which, you know, I, I love Antonio Gibson. So I don't think that's as crazy loss. The Lions did something interesting today. They cut both <laughs> of their kickers in their kicker competition. Randy Bullock and Zane Gonzalez are both gone. And you had a kicker competition that nobody won. <laughs> I love that. But this is a kind of a smart strategy because if you love another player on your roster and you want to keep them around, um, kickers get released. Uh, the Chargers released uh, Marvin Badgley. Uh, to, I think his name Marvin Badgley. But, you know, he, they, could, he could, they could pick him up. They could even pick up one of these kickers back just to try to keep a roster spot, maybe move a guy to the practice squad. Um, so I never, I don't know, remember ever seeing that before, but they, they essentially had a, a kicker competition that nobody won. <laughs> yeah, and thank you to Larry. He told us week three for the Packers is San Francisco. Okay. So that could be a dangerous matchup without Bakhtiari with, uh, you know, one of the Bosa brothers there, Nick. I, I should call him Joey, but I'm just going to call him Nick. <laughs> so I know Henry's not watching, but I called him uh, – Joey for the longest. So I'll get, yeah. I got the name right. But, um, you know, welcome, Leon. Ricky, thanks for participating there as well. Yeah. Uh, so to, to me, you know, I, I take a look at the landscape of not having any kickers. And I think kickers one of the rare positions in the NFL, if you even want to call it that. I think it's, I, if they got rid of the position, it wouldn't make me cry at night. I'll just say that much. Um, but there's guys you can find out there. Robbie Gold was a construction worker for the Bears mm-hmm. or be, yep. before he had a tryout with the Bears. And boom. I mean, sometimes these guys just show up. You don't know where they show up from. Mm-hmm. So to me, it's not a huge concern. If you don't like what you saw, there'll be plenty of kickers out there. Yeah, I mean, you saw Justin Reed, the Texan safety, do a kickoff in a preseason game, and he said it was his dream of his to do. How many of these position players could just go out there and kick? Like, I feel like so many of them are capable of that. Um, Odell used to line up and kick field goals before games, and he would kick them up to like 40 yards. So maybe we are at a point where we're just going to abolish kickers and make just position players kick. I think that would be pretty interesting. Well, Leon thinks kickers are the equivalent of closers in baseball. Okay. I, 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 I'm not saying that that might not be the case, but they shouldn't. They have such little to do with how the game goes for them. Kind of like, like a closer. <laughs> that's true. 
Well, well, baseball, you don't have athletes trying, you know, it's, it's baseball. You got a point. I give him that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, he's got us there. So yeah, it's the, the rest of the team sort of determines your impact on the rest of the game. Uh, so I, I understand the comparison there. Um, before we get into the fantasy, a couple news items over the weekend, Matt, and one of them being a quarterback was traded. Uh, to the Philadelphia Eagles, one Gardner Minshew uh, was traded for a six, a conditional sixth round pick. And if he plays, I believe, 50 percent of the snaps, then they get a fifth round pick at Jacksonville. Um, this is interesting because, I mean, there's a debate about Gardner Minshew, if he's even good. I get it. Look, a sixth round pick for the production that he puts up and a lot of it could be garbage time. Sure. But there are quarterbacks in the league incapable of even putting up those numbers in garbage time. So for me, you have a guy who, you know, at the very least is confident and capable in the, in the, in the, in the for example, if, if Jalen Kurtz were to get hurt, um, which, you know, he's a mobile guy, he could easily get hurt. You have a serviceable backup. And I think that's pretty important. I love this move for Philly. Yeah, I, I I think it makes sense. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't really have too much to add there, Randy. <laughs> you hate Gardner Minshew. That's what. That's why I brought it up. To, to me, it's just what'd you really do? You know, yeah. To to me, I, it's garbage time Minshew. Garbage time Bortles. It's Blake Bortles two point um, You know, I might argue that Blake Bortles has a better arm than old Gardner Minshew there. There's Bear fans clamoring for him. There were Lion fans that thought, hey, you know what? You might not be a bad pairing with Goff. I mean, you hear all these rumors about him. And to me, every game I watched with Minshew, he didn't start playing football until they were down by 20 points. So and the London game where they were up, you know, like 14 to three and then they blew it. Yeah, I'm just not a fan. I, I just think he's basically Nick Foles with attitude. All right. Well, look. I'm not convinced that guys like Sam Darnold and Daniel Jones could put up those garbage time numbers that he did. Um, I think they're too stupid and they're too mistake prone to be able to put up those numbers. So I think you still have to be a pretty good player to be able to do that. Ultimately, I, I thought Blake Bortles was God awful, but for some reason he was able to, to pad his stats and become even like a valuable fantasy quarterback for that rap for that matter, because of it. Um, but the other thing, and I think this is a big blow and I, I'm not even a big running back guy, as you know, but JK Dobbins, the starting running back, for the Ravens was expected to really carry the load for them with Lamar Jackson. Uh, he tears his ACL in preseason on Sunday. And to your point, this is why you do not draft in fantasy leagues early. Um, you know, insert Gus Edwards here, but I love J.K. Dobbins. I think he was a hard runner and he was so important to the Ravens. That's a big blow. Yeah, I mean, you got J.K. Dobbins, Austin Eckler. Um, no, I'm not thinking Eckler. Uh, the guy, Cam Akers for the Rams. Right, who was figured to be a big part of that offense. And, and yeah. now it kind of has me thinking like, how good will the Rams offense be? So no, there's guys that are key components to these offenses and even guys that you don't know that well, that could make a big difference. JK Dobbins is important to the Ravens. I know a lot of people say Lamar Jackson's their best running back, mm -hmm. but um, you, you still have to have that threat of being able to hand that ball off. And with a quarterback with Jackson that struggles to throw the ball outside the numbers, it just lets them stack that box more and more. And it's going to cause some problems. Eyes on in yep. Green Bay with Aaron Jones. Um, is the possibility okay. Well, that it's uh, almost draft time. Earned more this year. And maybe that's all. And, uh, I, I don't know if you can hear my computer, but it's talking to me. Who's <laughs> into fantasy this year, by the way. We love okay. to hear yes. AJ Dillon doing this. 22 carries, 129 uh, yards, I think you two could, touchdowns. Okay, hold on one second. In a game last season, in week six, all right, 
Those are cleared up. Did you hear any of that? Is my question. Yes, um, I, I heard enough of that. Aaron Jones, fantasy stud. All right, you heard Field Yates over the airwaves. Thank you for that. ESPN.com, you piece of garbage. All right, well, that's a good transition because Field Yates hosts a wonderful fantasy podcast called Fantasy Focus with Matthew Perry. And this uh, is, I mean, I've, I, I listen to that. They're, they call it mediocre fantasy advice because a lot of times, it, you know, it's a lot of guessing and projections and all this stuff. So these are just opinions about sports that we really have no control over and just well, a lot of times we're just guessing so um Matt, matthew barry in fact calls his column a love hate list and it's not that he loves a player more or he hates a player more it is based on the average draft position um that they're going at so it's not that he hates ezekiel elliott he just hates ezekiel elliott going fifth overall yeah so that is where the, this is kind of where we're going with it here in my opinion i'm calling it our five favorites each position group that matter anyway, a quarterback, running back, receiver, tight end. Don't care about kicker. Don't care about defenses. You guys are feeling free to do whatever you want after that. And then we're going to do some sleepers. Um, for me, I'm not going to just go, okay, yeah, I love Christian McCaffrey. I love Patrick Mahomes. Like, obviously, those are the top players at each other position that are going. Oh, yeah, of course, I love Travis Kelsey. Like, we know <laughs> those guys are the best. It's clear. Um, so I, I'm going to just – like, maybe I'll throw in a guy who's going in the top five because I love picking him, and he's a guy who's going to end up on a lot of my rosters. But it doesn't mean I'm ranking them in order that way. It's just people I like where I can get them. Um, Matt, would you like to start here? I figure we'll start with quarterback and go – we can go five to one, one to five what are your thoughts on that yeah let's go five to one i think it's let's climb the ladder randy let's grab that brass ring so, <laughs> so all right I, i'll give you my number five quarterback who i i think could give you good value at where he's going to get drafted at, and that's ryan Tannehill. Mm-hmm. I, I think that i think that offense would be good enough with aj brown and julio jones i think that opens up a lot of weapons for a lot of doors for him and with the always the threat of derrick henry running the football Tennessee should have like a top 10 offense in the NFL and Ryan Tannehill should put up pretty good numbers. Absolutely. Um, I mean, Tannehill's numbers are so underrated. You know, I, I, I know he's like a, a whipping boy sort of, but honestly, <laughs> Tennessee, he's played so well. Uh, that absolutely. I, I love Tannehill. So my fifth, and that's this guy I'm going to end up taking. And your draft day is not meant to be your week one lineup. So yeah. this is a long-term decision for me, but I'm going with your boy, Justin Fields wow. at number five. If he starts by week four, I think he is going to be a stud and he's going to, you're going to be happy to have him just sitting on your bench. You can pick a, a placeholder for the first four weeks. Uh, there's no bye weeks until, you know, week five, or I believe, or week four. But anyway, like Justin Fields just has to play in the first month and that decision is worth it. And you can get Fields obviously with one of your last picks in the draft. So uh, I'm all in on the, on the Justin Fields experience. I didn't expect to be, but with his legs and the talent around him, I think he's a worthy play uh, later in the draft. Yeah, I think if you were to put a accurate throwing arm on the Lamar Jackson, mm. with the cerebral thought process of, mm. you know, I, I'm not going to put one of the greats there, but J- Justin Fields, I think, is one of those rare quarterbacks in this um, in football right now, Randy, where he could possibly give you a little bit of everything that you could want out of a quarterback in fantasy touchdown passes, rushing touchdowns and rushing yards. Um, he can do a lot of that stuff and hopefully limit the interceptions because that's going to be important. Um, My my number four quarterback, and really I think I have to caveat this because each league kind of does weird scoring rules. You know, you can alter it. Um, I I premise this off PPRs. So, um, and with Russian getting the standard scoring here, but 
my number four quarterback, high risk, very high risk, high reward. You can get them probably really late in the draft, and that's Jalen Hurts. Mm. I, I, it's funny you say that because he's my number four as well. <laughs> I, I, I use Jalen Hurts as a sleeper uh, mainly because I don't know how people feel about him in general, but I think he's a classic case of separating regular football from fantasy football because I, we just talked about Blake Bortles. Blake Bortles, by all means, was a garbage starting NFL quarterback, but garbage time is prime time in fantasy football world. <laughs> yeah. And Blake Bortles consistently put up fantasy points because in the fourth quarter, he would throw three touchdowns to cut the lead to 20. And <laughs> those are still fantasy points. They mean the same. Yep. So to me, Jalen Hurts has the combination of mobility and arm strength. Um, I have no idea what to make of the, uh, the offense and the head coach. Um, I loved Monte Smith being around him. Uh, I think he has good weapons besides that too. Miles Sanders and his legs. He showed last year that he can really run and he, he can score touchdowns in the red zone too. So the rushing value on top of his throwing ability makes him valuable in fantasy. And I think you need running quarterbacks. You're going to see this in my, my picks here that there's a trend with rushing quarterbacks. You need a guy who can move <laughs> his legs. Yeah. To have a quarterback that can get out of the pocket is so important in today's NFL because offensive linemen, it takes a while for offensive lines to develop. And if you have a bad offensive line, you don't want a statue behind quarter at the quarterback position. And unfortunately, you know, Chicago may see that with Andy Dalton, who may rest in peace after Aaron Donald gets his bear paws on him. A future. <laughs> I've never seen someone have a future RIP for someone. That's yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just getting the eulogy ready for old Andy yes. Dalton. The red <laughs> rifle, the soon to be resting in peace. Um Okay, my number three quarterback, and I, I can't even believe I'm saying this. I hate myself. I want to punch myself in the proverbial man space. Um, <laughs> Kirk Cousins, who oh, shit. just puts up decent numbers. You know, no, I, I think everyone knows how garbage he is in big games, so he constantly gets undervalued for fantasy points. But he's thrown to Adam Thielen, Justin Jefferson, and Dalvin Cook. Yeah. He's he's going to get touchdown passes at a premium. So I like Cousins, and he's my number three. I, I mean, those are all good points. The talent around someone truly makes a difference. Um, Cousins, you know, is steady. He's one of those guys, if you if you decide to wait on a quarterback, you can get him in that eight to ten round range if you yeah. already stacked up on running backs, receivers, have a good tight end. Kirk Cousins is a guy you could throw in, and he'll be serviceable for you. If you're looking for a certain amount of points each week, say the floor is 15, then Cousins can definitely get you that each and every week. So I like that pick for you there. Yeah. Um, I'm going to cheat here and 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 because I'm going to go with guys with legs, but I'm putting him only at three because of his draft, uh, his, his ADP, and that's Kyler Murray. Um, Kyler Murray could be an MVP candidate this year. He could get hurt in week two and miss the entire season. But what Kyler Murray does in the football field is so electric and he gets fantasy points like crazy when he's healthy, especially because he runs so much. He has DeAndre Hopkins. He, the, they run a fantasy friendly offense. Um, but what I don't like is how high he's going in drafts. So Pat Mahomes going uh, a late first, early second, Josh Allen going pretty close after Pat Mahomes. And then Kyler is just right in that range right after them. That to me is too high for Kyler Murray. If you could get Kyler Murray in the fifth, sixth round every year, every, every week, uh, every draft you do, okay, that's fine. And then I'm not putting Kyler Murray on this list. Um, but to me, he's only third because of where you have to draft him to get him. And I'm not willing to take a, a, him at that spot that high because I don't trust he's going to stay healthy. And I think you can get guys like 
Justin Her- uh, a guy like uh, Jalen Hurst, mind you, later in the draft who can give you similar value. So Kyler Murray is my third overall quarterback, but you still have to take him pretty high to get him at this point. Yeah, and, and just to clarify to, to some people, my strategy on quarterbacks in fantasy football is I stream them. I don't value the position. I go based on matchups because I want a quarterback going against the worst defense every week. So that's kind of my go-to there. But um, no, I, I like Kyler Murray. The issue I have with it, Randy, is exactly what you pointed out right here just a moment ago is draft position. Um, I, I'm, I'm looking at this where you can get these guys. I don't want to take a quarterback with my fifth round. Why are my fifth round pick? Because there's other wide receivers out there. If you're in a PPR, stack up on receivers, stack up on pass catching running backs, get a really high end tight end. Quarterbacks can wait. You know, there's not a huge gap between the best quarterback and the worst quarterback, unless Lamar Jackson runs for 40 touchdowns, which he might. <laughs> but but I, for my number two, and Leon mentioned him, he said he liked Winston over Cousins, and I okay. do too. Uh, Jameis Winston is my number two quarterback wow. that I like this year. He's going to be thrown to a lot of weapons. I, I like the offensive scheme. It fits him. He's got that LASIK surgery. He can finally see. Hopefully he stops eating W's and just worries about throwing <laughs> completions, not to the other team. Uh, Winston could be a really big get for the Saints this season, and you could get him really cheap in fantasy. Yeah, I mean, if you're talking where draft value alone, like Jameis is going undrafted in many leagues. So if you decide I'm not taking a quarterback at all, and then your last pick, you're like, shit, I need a quarterback. (laughs) Jameis most likely will be there. So uh, the upside in that, I mean, it's worth it just on where you're taking him alone. There's almost no risk to that take. So I agree. I I mean, Jameis in a new situation um, with Sean Payton, I don't think they're going to be very good, but I still think Jameis could still have some value. He doesn't have a ton of weapons around him, but Kamara alone will be help him get a lot of fantasy points so uh all right my number two these are my favorites mind you these are not my rankings so um i just want to just vocalize my thought process when i do fantasy drafts for the most part ppr not ppr doesn't matter i value running backs over anything else it's the opposite of real football for me running backs are so hard to come by in fantasy you need good running backs in fantasy football now what if i told you that you could have a running back play the quarterback position That's what Lamar Jackson is. Lamar Jackson is a running back (laughs) playing quarterback in fantasy. It is a cheat code. It is the best. I've had him, and the only time I ever won a fantasy league was with Lamar Jackson at at the quarterback position. It is consistent, almost 30 points a week because of the rushing points. He gets gets 80-plus rushing yards a week, gets you a rushing touchdown. We'll throw 150-plus yards a week, maybe a, a passing touchdown or two. The guy is an absolute fantasy monster. I know he's not the best real quarterback in the world, but fantasy-wise, give me Lamar Jackson every year. I don't care where I have to pick him. I don't really want to pick him in the first or second round, but if I can get him in that third-round spot, I'm all over it. Yeah, I mean, that's hard to argue. I mean, if <laughs> if, if you need those 30 points from your quarterback position, by, by all means, you know, if, if it's steady and you get it every week and you know what you're going to do. To me, the issue is like when they play good offenses, like are they going to be able to keep up? And running the football doesn't always lend itself to, you know, when they play the Chiefs, like he has to throw the football because the Chiefs are going to put up points. So I kind of worry about that. But garbage time still exists with Lamar Jackson in that scenario. The, the, they, can, they can have a drive at the end of the game, and he'll still have a rushing touchdown at the end. Yeah, so I, it's still there. 
you know, and, and I don't disagree with that whatsoever, but I'm, I'm going to give you a better option for number one. Okay, and, let's see it. And, and this guy, you know, we give him a lot of, you know, we love him on the show. We talk about him a lot. You know, there's a guy with the zero MVP votes in his entire career. <laughs> okay. My number one quarterback that I love that you get with the value is Russell Wilson. Unlimited. unlimited and he's continuously disrespected in fantasy football because yes. he gives you the best of both worlds he's going to give you touchdown passes and he can mm-hmm. run in for touchdowns as well russell wilson if you get him in the sixth seventh round which a lot of the times he falls to because people look at Mahomes, josh allen you know tom brady's gonna go higher in some drafts aaron Rodgers. Russell Wilson's a real gem here. He's a top five fantasy quarterback that you can get as a 10th or 11th quarterback drafted in fantasy football. Yeah. I mean, we really have taken Russell Wilson's whole career for granted. I think, I mean, he's a total anomaly in every aspect I mean, he's a great professional. He's a great fantasy guy. He's a winner. I mean, I I love the pick of Russell Wilson here. I I mean, I worry about how he played in the back end of 2020, but he's got DK. He's got Tyler Lockett. I mean, he doesn't have a great run game. So he's going to be a big part of that great run game. And you can get him late. I think in my draft I did over the weekend, he went in the seventh round. Like that's a steal for Russell Wilson. Yeah. And, and that defense is going to be bad too, Randy. Yeah. So they're going to have to throw the football a lot to catch up. So, you know, Russell Wilson is going to be a steal this year. Absolutely. Um, my number one, um, if you followed this show and you watch this each and every week, you know how much I love this man. I have a bet with him to win MVP this year. <laughs> uh, second year quarterback, Justin Herbert. I am in full bloom love. I don't think I've ever loved like a young quarterback <laughs> as much as I love Justin Herbert. Um, I mean, Patrick Mahomes, I don't know. Everyone loves Patrick Mahomes, but he didn't play until year two. This is, I expect almost a Patrick Mahomes year two level season out of Justin Herbert this year. I think he's an absolute stud. He has great mobility. Him and Keenan Allen have a great rapport. Austin Eckler, in theory, is healthy. He's going to catch a ton of balls. I expect 40, maybe 45-plus touchdowns out of Justin Herbert, maybe another 5 to 10 rushing touchdowns for Justin. He's going to be an absolute stud, and you can get him in a similar range that you can get Russell Wilson at. So, to me, Justin Herbert is a can't-miss fantasy quarterback for you in 2021. I love Justin Herbert. Okay, Randy. Our deep sleeper now at the quarterback position. Okay. Who, do you, who do you have as your deep sleeper? You're not going to agree with me, and that's fine. But uh, I waited too long to take a quarterback in my draft over the weekend, and I ended up with Tua. Um, Tua was so bad last year, and I understand that. But in fantasy, like I said, you don't have to be a great quarterback to be a good fantasy quarterback. Mm-hmm. I think his mobility, I think the talent around him, is it good enough for me to get that floor of points I'm looking for at the quarterback position? So if you're a guy like me and you wait and you wait and you wait to take a quarterback, two is going to be there. He's just going to be available. Um, my other options that I liked were um, Derek Carr. Um, super late option here. Like he, he you know, the, the Raiders are going to be airing it out like crazy. Um, there, he, you know, he's going to, you know, Darren Waller to throw to. Obviously, you like that. Um, and I, I don't want to be this guy, but it's really boomer bust year for Daniel Jones. So Daniel Jones um, has to perform up to expectations. And if the Giants have all of their talent healthy, he should have a better year than he had last year. But that's the one I feel the least confident about. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I thought. I bought some Daniel Jones stock last year and what, what I saw was an alarming situation. He still takes too long to process information. And yep. that was supposed to be his best trait coming out of Duke. 
was like, yep. this guy was supposed to be super smart, pick up the system, boom, ready to go. And I have seen everything but that. He's mistake prone. He's sloppy. He takes a lot of sacks. Granted, the offensive line is trash. But to me, Daniel Jones is on my do not draft list. I I, I will not touch that guy any longer. Um, but my deep sleeper here is, is going to be Teddy Bridgewater. Yeah, I like that. Leon talks about weapons, you know, too many weapons to fail for Daniel Jones. No, no. Trust me, Dan, you got to have an offensive line. And Denver has an offensive line. Denver has trees at the wide receiver position. When you can run out, Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy, and Tim Patrick with a tight end with no offense, that offense, and no one's drafting Teddy Bridgewater. No one is drafting Teddy Bridgewater. So conceivably, if you, you know, like we talked about Jameis Winston, you're like, oh shit, you know, I didn't draft a quarterback. Teddy's right. there. And Teddy might end up being a top 12 fantasy quarterback this year. I okay. believe in Denver. They got the weapons. They got the offensive line and they have a good running back that we're going to talk about as well by Teddy Bridgewater stock. <laughs> uh, yeah. I love that. Um, you know, if you need a stopgap quarterback, like if you take Justin Fields and you need to, if you're waiting for him to start, Teddy's going to be consistent enough and he's not playing great quarterback, uh, you know, great defenses. I think the giants are fine, but overall that schedule is favorable for the Broncos early on. Um, and he has weapons, weapons galore all over the place. So you love that. All right, we're going to move on to running backs now. And like I said, I, real life, I'm leader of the running backs, don't matter back. I don't care about running backs. But in fantasy football, I cannot have enough of them. You need as many of these guys as you can possibly get your hands on. And it is vital to your fantasy success that you have impact players at this position. So we're going to go 5-1. to one. I will start this time at Bushnell. And I didn't rank them 5-1. to one. I wish I did. I'd be a little bit more prepared if I did. Um, but I'll just start us off. I have the five guys in theory that I like, um, and I'm going to go with Raheem Mostert and Raheem Mostert of the, the 49ers. I know a lot of people think Trey Sermon's going to overtake him, but we've seen the running back by committee thing with the Niners before, and you can get Mostert in that six, seven range, and he's going to be your running back two, three, maybe your flex. And each week, you know, the guy runs stupid hard or run first offense. If their offensive line is healthy, he's going to get a ton of burn. And I love picking Mostert in that spot. So for me, um, no matter what, who I, if I took two running backs already, if I have a running back receiver, I'm comfortable picking uh, Mostert as that guy to fill in that second spot. So um, n- number five for me anyway, is Raheem Mostert. I love that Mostert pick for a lot of reasons. One is that Every time he's been challenged in that San Francisco backfield, he's always proven he's the best back. Mm-hmm. And the speed is real. He's so fast, and he can do so many things. He, to me, if he wasn't playing in San Francisco, he'd go in the top five picks if he got more opportunities to carry the football. And that's really the question with him is how many carries he gets. Mm-hmm. But my number five running back here, and it kind of goes into value, And kind of what we talked about pre-show is I like David Montgomery here for a couple of reasons. If he's not going in the first round, I feel like he's a really good pick. He really showed out, I think, the last seven or eight games for the Bears last year. It turned out really well for him. He was able to run the football effectively behind a a much improved interior offensive line for the Bears. And he can also catch the football out of the backfield. Really, there's not a guy behind him that you feel like is going to take his carries so he's not going to get off the field on third down. So he's a three down back. He's going to give you those opportunities. And opportunities is the name of the game at the running back position in my book. So I like David Montgomery in the second, third round range. 
Yeah, um, David Montgomery's the perfect guy if you go receiver, receiver, like you go to zero RB strategy, which I don't recommend. But if, you, if you're if you in the, the last pick in the first round and you can get Tyreek and Stephon Diggs and you need a running back, like David Montgomery could be that guy who could fill in for you there. Um, I like that pick there at five. Um, I don't love David Montgomery overall, but where you're, the value you're getting him at, I think is fine. Um, all right. Number four for me is this, this whole thing changed a little bit because of injuries, but uh, I am, I'm going to just go here with James Robinson from the Jaguars because, um, you know, you were expecting a ton out of the rookie and he gets hurt. Obviously Trevor Lawrence's best friend, but James Robinson was the top five running back in the NFL last year. And everyone just kind of forgot he existed. And uh, he's kind of going late now. I mean, his, his ADP is skyrocketing now um, with what's his name getting hurt. I can't Etienne. Uh, ETN. Yeah. Thank you. Um, with ETN getting hurt. So look, if you can get James Robinson in the four or five range, then pull the trigger on that. He's the RB one on a, on a bad team. And I don't see why he wouldn't do a similar thing he did last year. So James Robinson's my fourth. Yeah. I don't hate that. I think that makes a lot of sense for, for me. I think this guy's finally going to get the opportunity that Cardinal fans have been waiting for, for such a long time. And that's Chase Edmonds. Um, for, for a guy that has always kind of got limited opportunities, he, he, he's shown some stuff and it's kind of exciting to see him get a shot. So depending on where you get him, if you can get Edmonds in the sixth, seventh round, he's kind of that dual purpose back. Obviously they're going to rotate him in and out with other guys, but he's going to get the bulk of the opportunities. He should mm-hmm. get some pass catching opportunities. PPR league makes him a dangerous weapon. I like Edmonds at four. I worry about the Connor aspect of that. Um, yeah. I, I don't know what the impact James Connor is going to have on that offense, but Edmonds is younger and he's fits the scheme a lot better. I, I think Edmonds, if all the things go well for him, should have the job and not have to think twice about it. But I wonder if Connor will vulture some goal line work. I don't know. Connor kind of lost a step to me in Pittsburgh. So, you know, hopefully for Edmonds sake, he doesn't take too much burn, but I, ultimately I don't know when a team signs a, a starting running back like Connor uh, to their team. Yeah. All right. Number three for me, uh, with the J.K. Dobbins injury, it is skyrockets Gus Edwards on my board. Uh, the Ravens are a run-first offense, and if it's not Lamar Jackson, it is that RB1. So Gus Edwards led the, the team in rushing a few years back. I expect him to carry the bulk of the, the load now and, and be successful in doing so. So um, I didn't love Edwards before the Dobbins injury. I thought he would get some run here and there, but now as the main guy, I expect him to be a top 10 fantasy running back at the end of the year. So uh, number three for me, no doubt the Gus bus. Yeah. I, I'm interested to see how that works out. I, I'm, I've never been a big humongous Gus Edwards um, fan. I, I always kind of felt like he's a little bit disappointing, but at the end of the day, I'm interested to see how he does. My guy that I'm interested in seeing at number three, and this may shock some people because we talk about draft value and where you get him at, mm-hmm. and that's Dalvin Cook. Oh. I, I, I like – Second what, overall pick? Yeah, yeah. I, I don't think that's too high. I mean, it slots right, and I like it. If you end up with the one or two pick, this should be a no-brainer. You know, mm-hmm. th- th- there's two guys that you absolutely draft one or two and yeah. you shouldn't question it. Don't overthink the situation. And Dalvin Cook is that guy to me. I think he'll give you the PPR. If it's a full point PPR, these mm-hmm. top two guys are done, gone. If you don't have the first two picks, they're gone. Don't even worry about it. But I like them a lot. And Dalvin Cook to me was number three on my list. I know we talk about value, but the value to me is perfect. He goes right where he should go. He's going to drive that offense. 
and it's really going to help. Look, to me, there are four no-brainer picks in a row at the top of the draft, and it's Chris McCaffrey, Dalvin Cook, Alvin Kamara, and Derrick Henry. You cannot go wrong with any of the four of those guys. Um, Cook is going to have a monster year as long as he stays healthy. The, the health concerns are always the concern with him, and last year he had an unbelievable season, so I have no reason to believe uh, that he would not. I would just be concerned. And I, I mean, I, I'm always looking for handicap oh, or for uh, handcuffs, so I'd be drafting Alexander Madison late in the draft if I pick Cook in that spot. Um, but all right, so number two for me, and this news even enhances this belief for me, but I am all in. I'm buying all the Damian Harris stock for the Patriots. You can get Damian Harris in the fourth round. Damian Harris is going to be the number one running back for the Patriots now that they traded Sony Michelle to the Rams. Um, obviously, the Stevenson guy had some nice run in the in the preseason. They still do they still have Rex Burkhead? I'm not even sure. I think they do. Um, and then James White, that factor always comes in. I think Bill Belichick loves Damian Harris. I know Patriots fans love Damian Harris. They have a great offensive line. And nothing helps a young quarterback more than a great running game. So I think Damian Harris is going to get a ton of volume and he's going to have a ton of success. I absolutely love Damian Harris this year. All right. My number two, I love the Damian Harris. I think that makes a lot of sense for paid for the Patriots and they're going to have to use him quite a bit. Yep. My number two is you don't have to go too far because we're staying in that division. My number two is Ty Johnson for the oh. New York Jets. Maybe. I he, he may be undrafted, which increases his value. Mm-hmm. Last year, keep in mind, when he got his opportunity, he had 20 carries in a game. He ran over 100 yards. He had 117 rush attempts last year, and he averaged 4.5 yards per carry. He can catch the football out of the backfield. I like what he can do here. So, I mean, it's a super, super risky move here. But the value seems right. I love it. I think running backs are slim. And Ty Johnson might be the breakout star in fantasy football, much like James Robinson was last year. Interesting. I think I like the two other Jets running backs more, but I haven't really followed camp that well to know the impact Ty Johnson has made. If, if Jacob's still watching, I would like to hear his thoughts in the comment section, but um, I like Michael Carter a lot. I've seen him as, as a late sleeper. And then Tevin Coleman is the vet they brought in and he has the Salah connection. So uh, as long as it's not Frank Gore getting carries, I'm interested <laughs> in the Jets backfield at least a, a little bit. Um, all right. Number one, I said he was my number one breakout candidate this year. So he's not moving off the of my number one favorite running back list here. Uh, Antonio Gibson to me is going to be an absolute stud this year for the Washington football team. Uh, I predicted in my breakout segment, he would have 2000 all purpose yards and that would make him a top five running back at fantasy. And right now he's going as running back 11 in the second round in a lot of, a lot of leagues. So if you can get an RB one in that spot, absolutely jump on top of it. Absolutely love Antonio Gibson. You see, I, I, I kind of figured out why we do the show together when we talk about things, because we have a lot of similar takes. And number one is, as well, Antonio Gibson. The kid is unreal. You watch tape, he pops off the tape. He does everything the way you want him to do it. He's powerful. He can catch. There, there's a lot of things to love about this kid. And I agree, Washington is going to be a run-first football team. Mm-hmm. But I like Logan Thomas as well. And we'll get to Logan Thomas as well. But this yeah. team is built to really make some noise. I think, I, I, I think it's hands down. They win the NFC East. I was kind of teetering on the Cowboys, but I, I've gotten full Washington football team. You know, and, the Washington football team. <laughs> they should be called the Washington destroyers because what they're going to do to that division this year is going to have to destroy it. Ooh. 
But all right, so uh, deep sleepers at running back, Matt. You, you know, you really said one when Todd Johnson is one of your favorites, so I think that's a good pull for you. Um, but I'll just give you a name that I, I find myself taking a lot. Um, and this is a he, you know, Jamal Williams for the Lions. Uh, he had success with the Packers behind Aaron Jones, now he's beyond uh, behind DeAndre Swift, so I think he'll be in a similar role. And if Swift can't stay healthy, I expect Williams to really have a big role there for the Lions. He's going really late. Um, and then also, you know, I, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention Javante Williams, the running back for the Broncos, who's sitting just waiting for Melvin Gordon to inevitably get hurt by week four. <laughs> and he's going to just take the world on fire. So Javante Williams is a popular sleeper pick, but um, for good reason, I think he's going to be a stud. Yeah, I agree. All right. Well, those are the running backs. And like the reason part of, I should say, the reason that I value running backs so high and don't prioritize receivers because receivers are so insanely deep in fantasy that you could pick a guy who you, you know, would think, you know, might not be a number one um, in the fifth round and he'd still be your number one receiver. Like there, it, it is crazy deep. And that's also why I'm like, give me all the running backs because the running backs get thin pretty quick. And yet yeah. receiver value is all throughout the draft. So Top five receivers here. This is where it gets more interesting, Matt, because there's a ton of receivers to choose from here. There are a lot you're like, I'm going to avoid that guy. But then there's also a ton where like, give me all you got there and I'm not taking them until the 10th round and sign me up. Yeah. And, you know, I'm, I'm going to lead us off here because it makes the most sense for me to do this. And I'm going to go number five right off the bat, Allen Robinson. And, mm-hmm. and I know we talk, you know, he's getting drafted, I believe, second or third round. Mm-hmm. He's falling somewhere in that range. Full point PPR, he may start off a little bit kind of like Allen Robinson-esque, which is steady and good. You, you love that. Yep. But I think Andy Dalton's gone after week three. I, I just think they'll go to Justin Fields for week four. And I think with Justin Fields, you're going to see a top three fantasy wide receiver in Allen Robinson because what, what he does, there's no throw that Justin Fields can't make. And if you watched the highlights of that, throw against the Titans when he was rolling to his right and just put it or only where the tight end could catch it. Allen Robinson is going to get a lot of those and he's proven he can catch those. Allen Robinson may have 15 plus touchdowns this year. Allen Robinson is a staple on Randy's fantasy teams <laughs> uh, and I love him. Uh, he's an absolute stud. He's great hands, great route runner. Um, and he's had all this success with awful quarterbacks and, uh, Blake Bortles, you know, we talk about the garbage time. Allen Robinson, a recipient, a lot of that garbage time. And then, you know, you move on to Mitch Trubisky, and that's why it doesn't scare me at all with, with Andy Dalton. You know, he's going to be fine. Um, it really it has seemed to not matter who plays quarterback for the Bears. Allen Robinson is a fantasy machine. I love that pick. I'm going to go a little bit deeper here. Uh, my number five is Mecole Hardman. And, I, look, there's a lot of uh, – disappointment and maybe their chiefs receiving core at that wide receiver two spot. It's sort of top heavy with Hill and, and Kelsey. And I understand that, but that wide receiver two spot for the chiefs is going to be productive regardless if it's me Harmon or Demarcus Robinson. So give me all your me Harmon and Demarcus Robinson stock. I want that chiefs offense on my team. I don't want to overpay for Tyree kill or Travis Kelsey, but give me some me Harmon because you can get him. He's wide receiver 50 right now. Let's going on drafted in some leagues. Um, and if you can get him with one of your last position player picks, then take him because guess what? That chiefs offense is going to be great. <laughs> and me Harmon is going to score a lot and uh, he's going to be that burner on the outside of outside of Tyree Kelly. He's going to get a ton of opportunity. Give me Nicole Hardman. 
I, I like that. You know, that, that is a pretty solid pick. Um, I, I do like the chiefs offense cause they're going to get a lot of opportunities, but my number four, and I, I really like this guy and I think his stock is rising, but not as quick as it could be. And that's Marquez Callaway for the saints mm-hmm. with Michael uh-huh. Thomas out. He is going to get a ton of mm-hmm. opportunities here. And I just, I, I really like him. My number four guy, I think he'll end the year as a top 10 fantasy wide receiver. Don't sleep on him. Don't wait too long. I'm not saying draft him in the fifth round or sixth round. Mm-hmm. Seven, eight, nine. That's the sweet spot for Marquez Callaway, in my opinion. I got Marquez Callaway in the 14th round in my draft over the Ooh, weekend. So. That is um, a steal. Yeah, well, you took a sleeper right out from under me. Uh, that was my guy, uh, <laughs> but that's all right. All right, number four for me is a household name that you know at this point, and the only reason he's not higher is based on ADP. But honestly, I also drafted this man in the sixth round of the draft I did over the weekend, and that's Robert Woods. Um, I, I think the Rams receivers are so underrated, but Cooper Cup is getting drafted three rounds higher than Robert Woods is, and I think both of them are just so good and you know, if you're in a PPR, especially Woods is going to be the guy every week gets you seven for a hundred, whether he scores a touchdown or not, I don't know, but give me that 17 points from that wide receiver two spot all day. So for me, Robert Woods, the consistency with the excitement of Matt Stafford now being the quarterback with just in a Sean McVay offense. I, I love Robert Woods this year. And if he's going to keep being in those mid rounds, this is also why you wait to take wide receivers because you can still get that value there. Yeah, I, I agree. I think Robert Woods has shown one thing in his NFL career and that he's consistent. He catches the football. He doesn't get a lot of drops. I really like that pick. That's an excellent pick right there. My number three, Randy, would be none other than another Chicago Bear, Darnell Mooney. I think he's going to sneak up on some people. I I like what he can do. He's a track star. He is apparently Jalen Ramsey's father. So I, I look forward to him owning him again. Uh, hopefully Andy Dalton doesn't completely miss him when he's wide open, but I, I like Darnell Mooney a lot in the spot. Uh, I don't like him weeks one through four ish. Um, I think he needs to build up some chemistry, Justin Fields, you know, the whole Andy Dalton thing really hurts a lot of bears value here in those first three weeks. So you kind of have to be patient, but I like Darnell Mooney as my number three sleeper. Okay. I, I, I said, I liked him as a breakout candidate last week. So obviously um, I, I think he's a worth a late round flyer. I think when you get, when you have your starter situated and you're drafting guys for your bench, you want guys with high upside. And I think Mooney fits that bill. Yep. So I'm, I'm fine with anyone who takes Mooney later in the draft. Um, I'm taking here and my third wide receiver, my third favorite receiver. I mean, obviously they're not my rankings. They're just people I like to have on my team based on where they're going. It's LaVisca Chenault. And um, I I like the Jags offense, but I I like DJ Chark, but Chark's hurt right now. So to me, what I've seen in the preseason is that Trevor Lawrence loves throwing to LaVisca Chenault and he likes throwing to Marvin Jones. So if LaVisca Chenault is going to be the number one receiver, I am very interested in that rapport with Trevor Lawrence. LaVisca Chenault I got in the eighth round in that pick my draft over the weekend. So I love that slot for him if he ends up being your wide receiver three or a flex you're going to be very happy with where you picked him so i love uh lavisca chanel in that spot wide receiver 38 by the way wow that, that seems low for him but um i guess i kind of get it i think for me when i take a look at the wide receivers and now we're at number two here so i kind of want a more a steady presence here so somebody that's going to be putting up consistent points that's underrated he's probably going to go in the top three rounds but that's Keenan Allen. 
Oh, um, you, took, you took my guy. <laughs> <laughs> you know, last year I ripped him because he wanted to be, you know, he said he was better than all these wide receivers. And lo and behold, what he's done with what he's, you know, with his new quarterback, Justin Herbert. I mean, you got to love this connection, Randy. I, I think Keenan Allen's good for 100 catches. I think he's good for 1,300 yards, and he's, I think he's going to be good for 10 touchdowns. If he stays healthy, those are going to be really good numbers that you can put right at your wide receiver one spot, and you didn't have to spend a first or a second-round pick on him if you can get him early in the third. I have more thoughts on Keenan Allen later in this segment, um, but my number two, so that gives you away a little bit for you there. Uh, my number two is Bengals wide receiver Tyler Boyd. And if you followed anything at a Bengals camp, it is that rookie Jamar Chase has case of the dropsies. Uh, don't love that at all when you take a guy fifth overall that he is feeling the pressure a little bit. So to me, Tyler Boyd has been very underrated, has put up a ton of numbers in his first three years in in the league. And he's done so even without Joe Burrow with whoever could be playing quarterback for the Bengals at any given time, whether it was Andy Dalton. Overall, Tyler Boyd, very consistent. And he's wide receiver 30. He's coming in really late here um, and you can get him late. And if if he's your wide receiver too, you're fine. If he's your flex, you're fine. So Tyler Boyd is consistent, super underrated. A lot of people are going to jump and take take Jamar Chase. I'm going to sit back and wait for Tyler Boyd. Yeah, I, I like Tyler Boyd. I had him two years ago. I thought he really showed up pretty big for Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't hate that pick at all. I think that makes a lot of sense for me when I take a look at my number one spot. One, it's got to be somebody that is kind of flying under the radar, but you got to feel pretty good about. And Leon mentioned him earlier, and I, I really like Corey Davis because okay. of a couple of things here. He's obviously the Jets' best wide receiver. He's our number one. Um, when you take a look at the offense, there's really no wide receiver that stands out besides Corey Davis, so he's going to be getting the majority of the targets. I have to believe that. And you, we take a look at the landscape. Which wide receiver out of all these wide receivers that we talk about would could possibly make that jump with more opportunities from a wide receiver two to a wide receiver one on a not deep wide receiver room? And that's Corey Davis. So I I think Corey Davis will go somewhere in the sixth, seventh rounds. And if you can get him there, you get a wide receiver one. And on your fantasy team, he's probably going to be a two or a three if you do three wide receivers or a flex. But it makes so much sense to grab Corey Davis. I really love him at number one. I think he makes that big jump. He's looked really good, too. Uh, I mean, he's always been an elite route runner with the Titans, and he never really was able to put it together with Mariota or Tannehill. But I, I do love the talent. And that he and if he does, if anyone's going to take a leap, you know, as a wide receiver one here, I love the the possibility with Zach Wilson for sure. Um, my number one, you mentioned him, but it's Keenan <laughs> Allen. Uh, I wanted to go Calvin Ridley here, but Calvin Ridley's going as a top five wide receiver, a little too rich for my blood there. I, he's going, you know, early second round pick there. Um, if you have Calvin Ridley on your team, uh, you're going to love it, but it's just don't want to take him that high. Um, Keenan Allen to me is a guy you can get late second, early third, and he might lead the NFL in targets. He might lead the NFL in catches. He is a PPR animal. Like, and he's really the primary weapon there with the chargers. Austin Eckler has, hasn't shown exactly that he can stay healthy. And Herbert obviously looks for him over and over again. So for me, Keenan Allen, if he's my number one wide receiver, I walk away thrilled. I'm so happy to have Keenan Allen as my wide receiver. And he's coming in at wide receiver eight. So 
I, there are guys above him on this list where I would not take him and I'd not take them over him. Uh, to me, he's a top five fantasy wide receiver and I'd be thrilled to have him. Like if I walk away from the draft, excuse me, my receivers are Keenan Allen and Allen Robinson. Great. I love that. <laughs> if my receivers are Keenan Allen and um, Adam Thielen. All right. Great. I love that. So to me, Keenan Allen opens up the possibilities of having other stud receivers behind them and you don't have to sacrifice going uh, RB, RB in the first two picks. So Keenan Allen to me is the ideal pick in that third round to get a wide receiver one. Absolutely love Keenan Allen. Yeah, to me, it just makes so much sense. PPR, it changes everything. If it's a standard scoring league, obviously Keenan Allen's probably going to fall a little bit further, but yeah. not, not too much further. But if it's standard scoring, running backs are going to be flying off the boards in the first two rounds. Yeah. Well, that's receivers. Look, receivers so deep. I mean, you want to throw out a, 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 a sleeper here, Bushel? What do you, got? you got anything for me? Um, I, I think sleepers with wide receivers, it's hard to judge because it's opportunity. I, I like Brandon Ayuk a lot out of San Francisco. I think he could put up some points for you. Um, but, but really, it's just, to, to me, I take a look at it. You know, Kenny Galladay's hurt for the Giants. Yeah. Otherwise, he might be somewhat of a decent value. But, um, yeah, I, I mean, the only one I'd probably be willing to take a chance on is Brandon Ayuk as a deep sleeper. Okay. Um, in if you're familiar with Matthew Barry's love hate columns, um, he has a segment called "Others Receiving Votes," essentially honorable mentions. Yeah. Um, I'm 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 a fan of Brandon Cooks this year. The Texans don't have a ton of weapons. He's going to be the primary pass catcher on that team. So number one wide receiver on a bad team. That that to me means garbage time points. <laughs> we talked about that a lot already. But Brandon Cooks, I never really loved as a number one ever but in just a sheer volume on a bad team this year i think you know he's a guy you can take later in the draft you mentioned marquez callaway that's a guy who's already made plays for the saints in the preseason i think he's going to make an impact um sterling shepherd if he can stay healthy for the giants i don't trust the health of kenny galladay or saquon barkley or even the rookie Kadarius tony yeah. sterling shepherd is going to be a consistent play i think he's good for six seven catches a week uh, and especially in ppr that has value and then my other one is jalen waddle the rookie wide receiver for the dolphins um i think he's just going to be so electric <laughs> i think he's going to end up uh being the best receiver in the draft even over jamar chase and Devontae smith I, I love jalen waddle so yeah jamar chase is an interesting one because i just don't think burrow's going to have any time to throw we, we've already seen that offensive line have issues already um I, I i do have another name i'm not sure where he's going in drafts i don't see him drafted very often in a lot of leagues and that's tim patrick yeah. um who, who i like a lot for denver there's a theme with denver here i like what they're throwing out there i think it's going to be a really good offense so that may be another guy you just want to keep an eye on um obviously um my warning signs randy i, I just want to throw out two names for wide receivers that i think are going to be drafted way too early and you're not going to get the production from them that you may think you're going to get. Mm-hmm. Number one is DK Metcalf. And I've been a huge DK Metcalf from day fan from day one. I love him. I think he's great. If he's going second round, which I've seen some drafts, he's yep. going in the second round. Way too high. Yeah. I, I just, I don't love that value there. I don't think it's going to go the way we want it to go, especially with Tyler Lockett there. You know, both those wide receivers are really dynamic. And the other one I think we have to watch out for, and that's Adam Thielen. I think Adam Thielen's going to lose some targets to not only Justin Jefferson, but Dalvin Cook, especially if Cook stays healthy. So I'll be interested to see how those two play out. But I think Thielen's going too high, and I think Metcalf's going too high. All right. 
Um, to me, the player that has the largest variant of success or non-success is Odell Beckham Jr. Um, Odell is in the 20s and the receivers in the pre-rankings. And to me, you know, that makes sense because he could get hurt again and miss the entire year, or he could light the world on fire and, and be a top 10 wide receiver. I don't think you can expect the top 10 receiver, so I would draft him with caution. But overall, neither of those uh, outcomes would shock me. So if you take Odell Beckham Jr., just understand there is some risk there. But, you know, where he's going right now makes sense to me. Yeah, I I don't hate OBJ on a fantasy team because he's, you know, he he can give you some tremendous value. To me, though, Jarvis Landry is such a vacuum cleaner for targets for Baker Mayfield. And Baker always seems to look for Jarvis Landry first. to me, I think OBJ can give you those really big weeks where he can score three yeah. touchdowns, but it's those weeks where he kind of doesn't get those targets and he may become uninterested. Yeah. I, I worry about that with them. And they're a run first offense. So to me, Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt have the value more than anyone. Yeah. So, all right, receivers deep. So be strategic the way you draft receivers. Don't just jump and take digs and DeAndre Hopkins because they're right there. You know, you, yeah. you know, I know I know Jonathan Taylor isn't a sexy pick, but consider taking the running back <laughs> over, over there at the top because it's deep. All right, over to tight end now. I think ranking five tight ends that I oh. are my favorites is hard because look, let's be honest, there are five, there are three elite tight ends um in fantasy and travis kelsey is going in the mid first round i love travis kelsey but that's insanity not taking him that high never nope i would take him in the second round maybe late second not touching him in the first darren waller absolute stud i'm more likely to take darren waller because where he's going and then george kittle give me some george kittle because it's going in the third fourth round there um i'm excluding the top three guys in this list matt bushel because obviously those are the best of the best so i'm going to try to base this off the rest of the list I, I will say this to me, and I'm a Travis Kelsey owner. I, I love Travis Kelsey. He put up more fantasy points than 90% of the receivers last mm-hmm. season. Travis Kelsey is a PPR God at tight end. Um, sure is. <laughs> I, I, I mean, to me, I wouldn't pick Kelsey if I had a top five pick, but at, once I get to that six, seven, eight range, Oh, I consider it. I'd Mm -hmm. have to see what's out there. You know, if it's between him and DeAndre Hopkins, I may go Hopkins. Um, But it'd be tough to ignore. I I just, the running back situation after those top guys, we're we're talking Saquon Barkley. I don't know. So I understand. I I do agree. Leaving the top three tight ends off this list makes a lot of sense because they're all going to be gone at, at probably by the end of the third round. So and there's a massive cliff after that. And I don't yeah. care how much you like Mark Andrews. He's not in the same stratosphere. No. So, so um, I, I'm just going to throw out, you know, a couple of names. Uh, we'll go one by one again. And But this is no particular order. Okay. And and the name I'm, I'm going to go to, I went to last year, and everyone laughed at me, and I ah, stuck it to him. And that's Jimmy Graham. I, okay. I think Jimmy Graham is a red zone machine. He gets in the red zone. This offense is going to look for him. They, they like Cole Komet, too. But to me, Jimmy Graham is the red zone touchdown tight end. And that's what you're really looking for in fantasy football is you want your tight end to get in the end zone if they're not going to get a high volume of catches. Jimmy Graham's going to get in the end zone. All right. Um, you don't worry about the Cole Komet aspect of that? I, I think Cole Komet's going to eat up a lot of receptions inside or you know between the 20s. But Jimmy Graham is so large in the end zone with that six seven six eight body and that basketball background to go up and get it. 
I just I just see Dalton and Fields looking for him repeatedly. Okay. All right, number five for me is going to be Noah Fant, the the Denver tight end. Uh, I think he'd be higher on this list. I just the Teddy Bridgewater thing. I know we we like Teddy as the starting quarterback. I just think there's too many mouths to feed. Um, so I don't know where Fant falls in there. I think he's a hell of an athletic target and and can make plays. I don't know if the volume will be there for him, but if you walk away from the draft and Noah Fant's your tight end, you're going to be pretty happy about that. Um, Overall, I think that's going to be the issue with most of these tight ends is inconsistencies. Um, but I like the offense overall, but I worry about opportunity. So um, Noah Fan overall will be a fine, probably top 10 fantasy tight end. But uh, overall, I think Teddy almost hurts his value. Um, I think Locke would have been better for him. Yeah, I don't disagree with that. Um, so, all right, I'll, I'll go number four here. Um, and that's going to be Jawan Johnson. I believe out of New Orleans, he carries dual eligibility as a wide receiver and tight end. I, I am almost positive. He's going to lead the saints and targets. Um, wow. it, it, it's really deep. Um, when we start talking about it, I like what he has. Juwan Johnson. We can't, I think he's worth a really late round pick. Okay. I like that. Um, Adam Troutman getting some love in New Orleans, but he just got hurt. So uh, I don't know the impact he will have in New Orleans. So uh, Juwan Johnson's outplayed him. I mean, if, if you watch yeah. the Saints games, Juwan Johnson looks really good. Okay. All right. My number four uh, is going to be Gerald Everett, who formerly of the Rams, now on the Seahawks. Um, I think with DK and Tyler Lockett getting a ton of attention on the outside, Russell Wilson is going to have a, a good time throwing to Gerald Everett. I think he's a big athletic target uh, who can run the seam route very well. And I think he had success at, with the Rams when he was given opportunities. Again, a lot of mouths to feed with the Rams. So I don't think he got a ton of chances, uh, but Russ, I think him and Russ could be good together. And I, and, you know, if you're looking at a late round, a possibility, a tight end, uh, I like Gerald Everett based on his surroundings, especially. Yeah, I mean, I, I like him, but there's a guy I like better. Okay. And, and, and my number three guy plays for your Washington football team, and that's Logan Thomas. Yeah. I, I love this kid. I, I think he's got the possibility, Randy, to sneak into that, break that top three into a top four. Mm-hmm. The kid's got hands. He's willing to block. He's willing to get dirty. Converted quarterback, I believe, um, if memory serves me right. Mm-hmm. So I, I really like what he has to offer. So Logan Thomas, number three. Number uh, three. Yeah, I, uh, you're going to hear probably more about Logan Thomas from me in just a bit. Uh, <laughs> number three for me um, is going to be Janu Smith of the New England Patriots. Um, they gave him a ton of money, and they gave Hunter Henry a ton, to, a ton of money in the offseason, the dual tight end sets. The Patriots have always wanted to have two great tight ends on their team. Obviously, they had that with Gronk and uh, another person who, you know, I won't say out loud, uh, but they drafted them both pretty high in the draft, and they both worked out pretty well for them. So I expect these two guys to have killer years. Uh, no pun intended. Um, but <laughs> Hunter Henry has already been banged up. So I think John New Smith has already gotten enough reps with Mac Jones. I think a tight end is a, uh, is a rookie quarterback's friend in the passing game, especially. And I don't love their wide receivers. So I know Jacoby Myers is fine, but overall, John New Smith is going to be nice to have in the middle of the field there. And I think they're going to draw up a ton for him. And I find that John New Smith is ending up on a lot of my teams and a lot of drafts. So uh, John New Smith coming in at number three for me. Yeah, I like John and Smith, and you took number two from me, so thank you, Randy. So, <laughs> I mean, exactly what you said. 
he's going to be Mac Jones's favorite best friend in the whole wide world, making sure that he gets those easy completions. Mac Jones is a five to 10 yard passing savant. He's going to hit them all the time. John U. Smith's going to get a lot of PPR love this year. Absolutely. Uh, no doubt about it. So that's your number two, right? Yep. That's my number two. All right. Well, your number three is my number two, uh, Logan Thomas. <laughs> uh, Logan Thomas is the man. And, uh, you know, he had a ton of success with that rotating door quarterback last year with the Washington football team. And I think with any sort of consistency out of Ryan Fitzpatrick, it'll make him that much better. Um, a ton of attention will be on Antonio Gibson, on Scary Terry McLaurin. On Curtis Samuel. So I think Logan Thomas is going to be your primary red zone threat. Uh, I think he's a good blocker, so he won't have to get taken off of the field. Overall, Logan Thomas is a great guy to target um, if you're going to wait on tight end. And he's going to be there later. You know, if you, for me, a lot of times I like to go evaluate where I am after my first six picks. I usually like to have three running backs, three receivers. And at that point is where I'm comfortable taking a tight end or quarterback based on who's available. And a lot of times it's Logan Thomas in that spot. So for me, Logan Thomas, number two. My number one is that big jackass for the Packers. Um, oh, you fucker. That's my number one, too. <laughs> Bobby Tanyan. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for pronouncing his name because I wasn't going to do it. <laughs> but, um, you know, he's one of those guys that Aaron Rodgers is going to throw for touchdown passes, and he's going to be a big body in the end zone. I love him. He, he's a touchdown machine. I just, I just love it. He's going to be found in the, all over the field with Devontae Adams stretching the field is going to be all day long, every game. He's going to be open right down the middle of the field. Can't go wrong with Bobby Tanyan. God damn you. All right. I love Robert Tanyan. Um, Packers offense is, is good and it's only good. I mean, it goes as far as Aaron Rodgers takes it. And Devontae Adams obviously is a primary target. He's the stud outside receiver that you have. Probably, you know, looking at the top two receiver in fantasy. Robert Tanyan's the other other target on this offense. Uh, Aaron Jones is going to get a ton of burn. Obviously, they like AJ Dillon at running back as well. Um, but Robert Tanyan in the red zone, especially, he had ten plus touchdowns last year, and I expect more of the same from him. And he didn't even get a ton of playing time until later in the year. So, uh, Robert Tanyan, you can get even later than Logan Thomas, um, and it's it's a great spot. It's a good offense, and he's going to get a ton of opportunities. So. Uh, totally agree. Robert Tanya and both of our number one tight end favorites. Uh, obviously, you got your top three and the calls off of a cliff. I'm going to just throw out, you know, we're going to do a sleeper here in a second. I would worry about Kyle Pitts uh, this year. I know some people are all in on Kyle Pitts and they love him. He's, he's tight end six after Andrews Hawkinson and Hawkinson. I when was the last time a rookie tight end came in and just lit the world on fire? I, I, I mean, Evan Ingram had a good rookie year, but he still had his issues. Hawkinson, I feel like, hit a wall when he got drafted. He kind of came into his own last year. Uh, Eric Ebron, I remember, was a top pick, and he never really developed in anything. He had one big touchdown year in Indy, but not much else. To me, I worry about rookie tight ends. I would avoid Kyle Pitts. Yeah, I think the last really rookie tight end that made a huge impact was Kellen Winslow Jr., um, he came in and I, I believe he had a pretty good year. I think he was drafted fifth or sixth overall in the draft, but, um, I, I agree with you. There's something about that Atlanta offense and Pitts is being portrayed more like a number two wide receiver or, an, yeah. you know, maybe a hybrid number one with Calvin Ridley. I, I just don't know if he's that blocking tight end. That's going to confuse teams. He's a big body kid. Well, you know, let's not kid ourselves. To me, I'm not sure if 
keeping him at tight end is a better solution than then just moving him out wide and let him play wide receiver. Um, but I, I agree with you. I don't think Kyle Pitts is going to be as dominant to be a top three tight end taken, you know, our top three rounds, you know, one of the top three rounds taken. Not, not a huge believer in that. Me neither. Uh, I'll avoid him pretty much at all costs. Um, you can get a guy like Irv Smith late, but he just got hurt. So, yeah. um, you know, I, I would kind of avoid that too. I think we just traded for a tight end. Um, I, as a sleeper, you know, I like Troutman, but, you know, your boy Johnson seemed to be outplaying him. So uh, maybe not Troutman anymore. But um, I said this in my breakout, Dan Arnold is not even ranked in the tight ends and you might not even have to draft him, but some guy you should have on your waiver wire targets early on in the season. I think Dan Arnold is a, a definitely a guy you might want to have on your team later in the season. Yeah, I think Dan Arnold is a solid pick. You know, not too long ago, Randy, we were talking about, you know, the, the Ravens tight end room was considered to be one of the best tight end mm-hmm. rooms in football. I, I still think Andrews is going to get a ton of play there. Um, yeah. and, and to me, I don't consider it a sleeper. And this is where tight ends really kind of, it's almost, you have to pick your poison. You know, are you going to go for the red zone threat? Are you, know, are you going to take a flyer and hope a guy does well? Because really it's one of those positions where it is the thinnest by a mile. There's Absolutely. not, yeah, yeah, there's just not another group. So this is where you kind of have to be strategic where you draft. I think, mm-hmm. you know, if you get that 11, 12th pick, that's where you kind of want to be. That's the sweet spot because you kind of back around, you know, if you could take Travis Kelsey there, it definitely helps you. But um, to me, I, I don't have very many sleepers. I, I think Jimmy Graham's one of those guys that a lot of people are going to sleep on again. Uh, I really like him. I think he's worth it, but you know, to teach their own, it's really going to be interesting to see what teams do at the tight end position. Yeah. I think tight end, especially is just more named than production at this point too. Yeah. Like, uh, and in the comments, Jacob says Mike Kosicki. Yeah, he's an interesting name, but he never really puts up the numbers that you would expect him to. Um, Dallas Goddard was a you know mid-round draft pick that had a lot of buzz, has never really put up the numbers you expect. Um, I think if you walk away with a guy like Austin Hooper, you're happy about it. But then you see at the end of the year, Austin Hooper didn't put up the numbers <laughs> you hoped he did in a good offense like that. And part of the reason the Ravens uh, tight end room was so good because they had Mark Andrews and Hayden Hurst. And then they traded Hayden Hurst to Atlanta, who I thought was going to be was a great fit for them. But now Hayden Hurst sitting behind uh, Kyle Pitts. So, I, I mean, ultimately, I like that tight end room, but I, I'm not touching either of those guys. So tight yeah. ends, very, very much a position group. I am uh, streamlining like you do with quarterback. I, I just kind of play the matchups week by week unless I have one of the top three guys. And I hope for the best because it's it's sort of a crapshoot for a lot of these guys. Let me ask you this question. And I think it's an important question to ask when we talk about handcuffing running backs. So it's kind of a two-part question. One, would you handcuff Jimmy Graham and Cole Komet? I wouldn't because I I think the bears value on offense is with Allen Robinson and David Montgomery. I, I don't, I don't have any value with the tight ends at all, but if you are under the belief that Jimmy Graham can repeat the year he had last year, then sure. I'm fine with that strategy. But in general, I don't own two tight ends because a lot of the time, unless it's Travis Kelsey, I'm not hanging on to that tight end pretty much for the whole season. Now, second part, if the bears just went to a one tight end, like if you knew either, let's say Cole Komet or Jimmy Graham was just going to be the guy, you know, that was a guy that was going to get 90% of the targets. Would that change your opinion on where you would put a bears tight end? 
Yeah, obviously it helps. I would say um, I, if you if it was just Jimmy Graham again after what he did last year, you have to consider Jimmy Graham as a guy you're going to take because he has that t- that red zone value, that touchdown yeah. production, um, and they obviously run plays for him when they're close to the red zone. So that obviously opportunity is everything, especially <laughs> with tight ends, and you, you can't ignore that. Yeah, I, I think for me, I take a look at the landscape of tight ends. I know Evan Engram made the Pro Bowl last year. <laughs> Such a joke. <laughs> <laughs> So I guess the question is, when we take a look at, you know, bad teams, you know, projecting, I kind of look at the tight end position. That's kind of where the gap is for some of these teams. I, I don't see a really great tight end, whether it be the Texans, whether it be the Philly or the Eagles with Goddard, um, you know, Giants with Ingram. I just, I don't know. I don't know how to feel about that. You know, um, well, now the, now the Giants have Kyle Rudolph and he's going to get all the red zone attention. So with Galladay. So I, I trust Ingram even less now. You know, I, yeah. Ingram got hurt in the preseason game against the Patriots. I, I'm, I'm just not interested in Ingram. He has the case of the drops. I think Joe Judge might kill him in the middle of the year <laughs> if he drops to keep that ball again. Uh, so I, I'm not all in on Evan Ingram like I, I once was back in the day. So it's just tight ends a hard position in fantasy. It's, it's, it's never been something that you can totally rely on. So yeah, I agree. All right. Well, we're not going to do kickers and defense. It's just my one rule of thumb is pick those up the last two picks, streamline them, play them based on matchups. Don't, don't take them too seriously because you know, if you pick a bad one, if you keep going with a bad one and they get you minus 10, it's going to cost you a week. So really just do it based on matchup. Yeah. To me, if, if you're drafting a kicker with any pick, uh, you better have like your reserve set before you draft a kicker. Last year, we had a guy draft a kicker in the sixth round. Yep. I had, just, we had someone take Justin Tucker in the sixth round this year. It's just, you just asking to lose. That's garbage strategy. Just give mm-hmm. me 20 bucks for your entry fee and just yep. don't even play. It's so garbage. I, I hate when people do that. No kicker is going to give you the points that a position player is going to give you. Right. I, I look Justin Tucker and Harrison Butker are the top two ranked kickers. I got Graham Gano with the last pick in my draft and Graham Gano is going to be right up there with those guys in points yeah. scored. It's not going to be much of a difference at all. And defenses literally just play on based on matchup. I will be playing. I will be trying to get the team that is playing the Texans every week. I promise <laughs> you. Like I'm just, that's my strategy. Like I don't care about defense. It's just put, give me a team playing bad offense. Yep. I agree. Yeah. It's a sound strategy. All right. Well, Matt, it's time for us to say goodbye here. Uh, let's do a quick teaser on the rest of the shows underneath the life grip umbrella. You know, I, I got to be honest, Randy. I just, I don't know half these shows anymore. <laughs> so, you know, I, I'm just going to say this. Um, Dong City, I think, is going tomorrow. I'm not yeah. 100% sure, but, you know, a great listen. Love listening to those guys. Um, I do know the Workshoot Wrestling Podcast. Thursday, I believe they're still going, mm-hmm. you know. Corey Richmond and Jason Brooks love those guys do a great job big wrestling pay-per-view coming up this weekend so tune into those guys um basketball life you know the step back podcast I I know it's the off season so they may be taking a little bit of a breather God knows those guys deserve it especially with all the movement in the NBA gonna be highly entertaining and the WNBA has turned out to be very entertaining as well and those guys do a great job posting about that stuff and basketball life. Then we have um, the Total Basis podcast with Felipe Melicio and Sean Connery. That will be on Sunday morning, I believe. Um, I did talk to Felipe today, so I do believe that Sunday morning they'll be covering down some of the last-minute changes, playoffs, 
who looks good, who do you want to go into the playoffs with for your baseball fantasy teams. And then Monday, a special episode of the Audible. We'll, we'll be live streaming the, the Football Life Fantasy League, you know, I guess officially, on Monday, September 6th at 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Central Standard Time. Still working on some guests, hoping to have Felipe, hoping to have Corey, maybe looking towards Leon and Jacob. Randy, I know you're going to be taking a very special trip that you yes. will be shooting live on Tuesday, a week from yes. today, for a very special episode of the Audible. Where are you going to be at? Well, Matt Bushnell, um, my all-time favorite player in the history of sports, my childhood hero, my idol, the greatest man to ever walk the earth, more than Jesus, Derek Sanderson Jeter is getting inducted into the Baseball Hall of Fame in Cooperstown, New York, and I will be there with our fearless leader, Henry Maldonado Jr., and some other friends. So hopefully we will be joining you live from an Airbnb uh, in, I don't know if it's Central New York, the Mohawk Valley, whatever you want to call it, regardless, upstate New York, um, ahead of that ceremony. So hopefully next week after your fantasy draft. We'll be doing a week one preview show, uh, specifically kicking up with the kickoff, and we'll do our Super Bowl predictions, and it'll be a loaded one, and you're not going to want to miss that. Henry, I have no doubt, will predict the Niners to make it win the Super Bowl, so I'll just spare you that right now. <laughs> you know, I was on a cliff. I, it was a cliffhanger. I was hoping you'd, you'd let us know, and you did. You did not fail us. Yeah. All right. Well, speaking of baseball, quick, we got to do a bet update, Matt Bushnell, and it's August 31st. It's almost September. Playoff pushes are here in baseball. As of today, the New York Yankees are 76 and 55, and the Chicago White Sox are 76 and 56. It is as close as it can get with our bet. The difference is the White Sox lead their division by 10 games, and the Yankees trail in their division by seven games because the Tampa Bay Rays never freaking lose. So the Yankees are running towards that wild card, which scares me. But nonetheless, our bet really coming down to the edge here. This is kind of exciting. Yeah, I think the one saving grace for me is knowing that Tampa Bay is just going to beat the holy bejesus out of everybody. Yeah, um, it's ridiculous. Yeah, right now they're beating the Red Sox seven to one. So oh it's but Boston's falling faster than a mob hit with a guy with cement shoes on going to the bottom of was it the Allegheny? No, that's uh, Pittsburgh. Well, what river do all the mob bosses dump those New York bodies? The Hudson River. The Hudson River. There we go. Yeah. The Boston Red Sox are sinking to the Hudson right now. That's where Cuomo put all those nursing home residents. Oh, no. <laughs> all right. That's our view. We got to go. <laughs> this has been episode 70 of Football Life Presents the Audible. Uh, thank you guys for listening, whether it is on Facebook Live, on YouTube, any of our audio-only platforms. We greatly appreciate it. Wherever you may be listening, however you may be listening, thank you for making us just a small part of your day. I'm Randy Hammond on behalf of Matt Bushnell saying see you guys next week.